Welcome to Vancouver True Crime. I'm very honored to have a very special guest, a cinnamon who's running for city council October 15th. Please vote for her because I believe that she's a very high quality candidate. I don't know a lot about politics. I don't really follow politics, but our city is in ruins. If you, if you don't think so, go for a walk around the town and Anyway, we're here today to talk about drugs and the impact they have on society and kind of the scorched earth that they, they cause. A long time ago, when I started researching stuff, I've always been interested in, I don't know, some people call them conspiracy theories. I don't really, you know, I don't believe every conspiracy theory I, I hear, but I've done a lot of research, you know, mysteries and CIA, the Contras, the cocaine cowboys of Miami, the, the fart gorillas in Colombia go on and on the inner cities, they're all fueled on one thing, drug trafficking. One researcher who was actually an ex-CIA person once said, if you really want to understand what God stands for, gold, oil, and drugs, because with these control of these substances, you have immense power. You control gold, currency, the banking system, gold represents that, oil, energy sector, and drugs. Drugs makes people extremely rich and powerful, and then the drugs trafficking goes into other types of horrible crimes from human trafficking, sex slavery, go on and on and on. So without further ado, introduce my very honored guest, Cinnamon. Thank you for coming on Vancouver True Crime. It's a pleasure to have you back and talk about this very complex and dark topic. And you have a lot of experience with this. This is your background, your expertise. Yes, thanks for having me, Mark. My first first career, I was 20 years old. I was uh, working as a border services officer at Canada Border Services Agency back in the 90s. Um, So I've seen the evolution of drug trafficking over the years, many, many years. And it's just so awful. And it it is very different uh, than it was back in the 90s. But it's all linked to gang violence, cartel violence. It's a global problem. But for us in Vancouver, it's it's a big problem because we're a port city. We have a major international airport, and we have all the land borders. Right. So we see we see it all. Well, again, you know, uh, yeah, as you said, it's a port city. Vancouver's always had, you know, a drug trade here. You know, for lack of a better word, you know, heroin, opium. Nineties in the ninety five, I think or so, co- crack cocaine hit the downtown east side. Really changed and scarred the landscape. It's it's like a it's it became a different neighborhood. We don't do something about this. It'll just get worse, and it is extremely bad right now. Just with the toxicity of the drugs are ruining people's brains oh, first totally. of all and you can't a person can't recover from that damage no and that's seeing random attacks the violence there's a lot of good people on the downtown east side mm-hmm. and they're the in all of this they're the ones being human trafficked sexually trafficked um, exploited for their addiction but here we are finding ourselves with safe injection sites and safe supply but right. not focusing on harm reduction. No. Really mm-hmm. troubling. And, you know, I've said before that Vancouver has become a city of enablers. Yeah, it has. Did you see that recently from the CBC, the two ladies who run Wish in the downtown east side saying it is the worst it's ever been for women that are in, in the sex trade? 
the predators are worse, the violence, a drug facility, rape is through the roof. So you have a population, or maybe you want to quote-unquote call them advocates, who are saying that, no, there should be, drug supply should be unchecked down there, while people are using drugs to do very vicious types of crimes and very, like, predator perdition down there. Like these ladies who see who are down there on the front line saying it's the worst it's ever been. Yeah, and, I'm familiar and, with uh, that organization, and they really do help women. Mm-hmm. And they don't even have enough staff and facilities to keep up with the demand that they need to help these women. Yeah, it's it's, it's really scary because, you know, there, there's, so, there, there's so many sides to this, right? So for one, drugs are toxic. Everyone knows that. You know, the fentanyl. Uh, do you recall, I mean, it was a couple years ago. Where, where people were taking something, they called it bath salts, and they went all crazy attacking people. Well, a lot of these bath salts is kind of a uh, catch-all phrase for these precursor drugs. And, and they're very easy to order online over the internet and dark web and stuff like that. So one person who, who works on the downtown east side used to tell me, you know, all the times where people would order this crap and then they mix it up with stuff. And, and so when people are taking things like meth or cocaine or whatever, it's mixed with all this other stuff, including these bath salts, which which makes people completely crazy and probably is a good indication of why the violence has increased. The violence has gone up so bad. And, uh, and as you said before, it's spreading to other parts of the city, like Marple, Kits, the seawall. I have so many testimonies uh, from women directly that write to me, share their testimonies, who've lived in Vancouver for 10 plus, 15 years, never felt unsafe, can't walk the seawall, can't go out at night. because They either have or they've known someone who's been viciously attacked and provoked. And in many of the cases that I've looked at that I was able to find a name or someone that's directly related to these unprovoked attacks, in every single case that I was able to uh, establish this, they either had underlying mental health issues with a drug addiction. And usually meth came up. Meth seems to come up in these violent attacks over and over again. So again, you know, we have harm reduction, we have methadone programs for people who are trying to get off opiates. I don't understand why giving people meth clean or, you know, quote unquote clean or not is a good thing. I don't see how that provides a solution whatsoever. It's backwards, absolutely. Um, like we've we've spoken before, you don't give an alcoholic more alcohol. You yes. don't the gambler go to the casino. Right. So it's just it's mind-boggling <laughs> and it's really frustrating and it must be frustrating for partners spouses families uh parents where their loved one can just go somewhere and get free drugs oh totally and you get and again you call it free like free drugs okay i've known some pretty scary people who were drug dealers they never gave away free drugs i don't you know so someone's paying for these drugs ah the taxpayer so these are tax paying facilitated drugs for people who need to get off them right you know there's there's cases like you know again i think we talked about this before severe alcoholics like we're talking people that will drink hand sanitizer you know lice 
Ingersoll. They had a program, I don't know if it's still running or not, it was from the city of Vancouver where these people would go into school with a nurse, with a, you know, a, a medical supervision, and they would get a couple of glasses of wine every few hours to wean off. Hence, you know, it was run by, a, I believe it was Coastal Health, but again, a health nurse, doctor, helping people wean off. From what I understand with this hard drug program, is they want to create kind of like a compassionate club with marijuana, but for hard drugs. In my opinion, this is what I look at it at. When someone has a license or or the ability to be able to dispense hard drugs, they now become a drug dispenser, right? Who is going to pay for that? And, and then and then why why does one person now becomes a basically a legal drug dealer? Right. It, it doesn't make any sense. So we're going to are we going to have these gray zones where, OK, if it's in the downtown east side, which has happened for 30 years already on the street, the downtown east side has become a gray zone for illegal activity. If I start selling crack in front of some fancy rops and boutique, oh, it gets shut down in a second. Stand in Victory Park, maybe rival drug dealers and stuff will get mad, but I, I'll probably be able to sell drugs there successfully than I would on Robson Street or any other parts of Vancouver, right? So we kind of created this gray zone for a long time. It hasn't worked. It's it's gotten worse and worse and worse. There's uh, we're spending about a million dollars a day in services. So do we spend two, three, four, five? You know, maybe the city whole city budget just for it be the downtown east side. And once they decide what they left over with it, then the rest of the city can have something. You know what I mean? It's just like where does yeah. it end? Is my point. Well, where does it end? It doesn't end. And I guess like what I would ask the other side, because I'm not for, you know, safe supply. What What's your end goal here? Like, mm-hmm. How does that fix the problem? It does not. I'll be straight up. The end goal is for certain people to be licensed to be able to sell cocaine, meth and heroin and make a ton of money. You know, right. think of those first people or even like those gray zone dispensaries that were there. I remember there was a place, this is like, God, maybe about, maybe middle 2000-ish. It was on, it was on commercial drive. They were called the the decline mm-hmm. and it's a Hawaiian word or something like that. But anyways, they sold marijuana. They were the first ones to sell marijuana out of a shop. They had a lineup down the street. They were making so much money. I think I think at one point they were making over fifty thousand dollars in sales before they got shut down. Right. So this is the same thing, right? If if a shop is allowed to open up and sell meth, sell coke, sell this, sell that, we're going to get a drug tourism here. We're going to get people from the states. We're going to get people from even from international. You're going to get people. This back in the day when people used to go to Holland to you know it was the only place that was kind of liberal with weed. That's where people would go there. Oh, we can smoke weed and a coffee shop that's going to create a tourism and is that the kind of tourism we want and then people that are doing these drugs and meth and all that kind of other stuff as they said you know in the beginning of this conversation the predators are the worst that's ever been on the downtown east side so no one's talking about that but they're talking about the rights right. of people doing drugs it's, it's just it, it blows my mind where are the advocates screaming and yelling for these rights of these women to be safe but but it's more important that someone has drugs and don't hurt their feelings by calling them an addict. We have to draw the line somewhere, you know, come on. We do. And um, there are a lot of people saying we shouldn't be doing this, but you know what? The other side seems louder. And uh, there are a lot of people that are not okay with this, Mm -hmm. you know, including the people that support uh, the women down there. And 
it's just so ugly and and nobody wants to talk about the violence no um, and, and that's why i am running for city council i i know what it's like i know the violence the human trafficking the the slave trade you know with being forced to do something because you're addicted to drugs and yeah the drug dealer predators you talk yeah. a lot about that in my podcast you know like i said it's a global problem so we talk about well, where do the drugs come from right we've talked about heroin coming from golden triangle which is burma china laos and thailand mm-hmm. we talk about opium coming from the golden crescent which mm-hmm. is afghanistan pakistan and the area surrounding iran and then you've got you know cocaine coming from south america which is uh peru bolivia colombia mm-hmm. these are cartels oh yeah these are hard. very powerful they will die for their drug trade and, and then and they they'll kill on a mass scale they'll fight the the, the mexican army they'll go go toe to toe with like you know organized standing armies and and sometimes they've actually won like i saw it was in mexico i believe it was in sinaloa uh, el chapo's son was arrested they were able to get them out of the custody of, of the police and they were able to have a firefight with the, I think it was a Mexican national with the federales, not the army. And, and they, they easily beat them. Let's just eat without, you know, they had way more firepower. So the drug sales goes to weapon sales. Weapon sales is a massive industry. So the thing is, is this, you have to ask yourself fundamentally, and this is a, a question that everybody listening should ask themselves. Do you support someone's right to do drugs right so ask yourself that uh do you support the right to cocaine meth and fentanyl because these are the these are the drugs that are seem to be up for discussion uh you mentioned the burma try in burma they now have switched from heroin to meth and and also in, in thailand they've switched from heroin to meth too because it's just easier and more uh, more potent to produce and stuff i was actually watching a documentary recently that the burmese army or was it was a rebel army that had opium fields basically now they're in full methamphetamine production massive methamphetamine production north korea the government also does uh, large scale methamphetamine production they also import their own population as, as as slavery and and so again when you look at drug trafficking at a high level you get weapon trafficking you get drug trafficking you get human trafficking so you can't pick and choose you can't pick and say oh i like this part about drugs but i'm going to ignore the rest i'm going to ignore the terrorism the weapon sales um, like you know mexico and juarez mexico seventy thousand people died in juarez in the drug war there and mostly innocent population getting the crossfire more than afghanistan for the control of these drugs the drug war is a whole different argument but the point is is that the sales the profit from these drug sales goes to very dark very anti-human activity is what i would call it things that are contrary to Uh, our society and this is what the advocates for the drugs being offered downtown east side at safe supply they don't talk about that part no and um you know they talk about these drug users as individuals right and they're not necessarily individuals like i said they have families right they have spouses they have kids the spouses aren't using drugs you know i tell the story of my immigrant friend who lives downtown east side with her son and mm-hmm. they had to ask the husband to leave he you know was in a car accident was prescribed the opioids, became addicted. He got cut off because mm-hmm. 
wean you off this terrible thing, this highly addictive drug. And so he turned to the streets and guess what? You can get it two blocks away from where they live, their family. And yes. so she said to me, Cinnamon, tell me why he can go down the street and get free drugs. Like how she's fighting a losing battle herself no, and she's not her. giving up. This is the thing. Cause I said, Oh my God, are you getting a divorce? Like, what are you going to do? And she said, no, my husband's a good person, but just he is just, it's the access is too easy. The boy who's six years old was listening. And he said, oh my you know, God. my dad is going to die soon. I know that. And I was just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. It's not just these people shouldn't have individual rights to have these hardcore drugs. Alcohol is still the one of the most number one abuse substances down there. And there's no talk of, hey, let's just pro let's open up the liquor stores and just let them go in and grab whatever they want each day and stuff like that. So I find that interesting, right? <laughs> you know, talk about this and, you know, people get addicted, right? And and I it, it's horrible that the drug supply is completely contaminated with fentanyl and all these other types of, you know, dangerous substance, the benzodiazepines and things like that. And they have caused a massive strain on our health care system. You know, the overdose, the frontline workers, uh, you know, the thousands and thousands of calls. To their credit, they save 70% by paramedic, I think within like a half an hour of a, and they get Narcan, most time they'll be revived. So think of how many people they've saved from dying, right? The frontline workers, they don't get enough credit from that. Yeah. And then yeah. you have to ask a question. These people go right back to it. Me personally, if I drank a beer and all of a sudden I'm, I'm doing the chicken on the, on the ground and also an ambulance has to come and inject me with someone to add the antidote in the beer, I'll probably wouldn't drink that beer again. You know, I probably would check, look at my life and say, oh, my God, I almost died. Right. Where's the line here? And this is, a, uh, I think, a philosophical question to ask is where's the line of personal responsibility and society's responsibility? Meaning this, right? If I ha am depressive, if I have anxiety, smoking tons of weed and drinking and maybe dabbling in other stuff. And, and I'm, my life is just in the toilet. I can't work. I'm failing. Is it society's problem to come and rescue me and find me that perfect job and the counselor and take me to my appointments and take me to the doctor, right? No, it's up to me. It's up to me to understand why I'm depressed. Why am I doing these things? But now let's say in this, I'm doing cocaine, I'm doing heroin, plus I have mental health issues. But I'm so far gone where I'm just wandering into the street and getting hit by cars or in front of buses or come to a point where these people are not only a danger to themselves, but they're a danger to other people. Someone walking right in front of a car because they're so completely zonked that they don't even know they're in front of a car. Oh, but but let's give them more heroin and more cocaine unchecked. It makes no, no sense. What if yeah. this? I'm a six-year-old man. One day I hear, oh, my God, they're giving out free meth and cocaine. I've never tried it before. I'm going to go run down and get some. And I have underlying heart condition. And then I go take some and I instantly have a heart attack. Any other product, you'd be able to sue the hell of them in court. So these people in these dispensaries are going to be giving out these clean drugs when someone has a heart attack or or actually does have an overdose or a brain aneurysm or any of the, the, the side effects of the drugs. Are they going to have the ability to sue them in civil court for for giving out a, a product that's proven to be dangerous? So there's so many fundamental questions here. You know, if I'm yeah. giving out products. So you say, let's say I started Mark's Supplement Company pre-workout powder and I really put stuff in there to jack it up you know and the companies have done this they have done this stuff that's like you know kind of close to the amphetamine molecule but not quite like a precursor chemical 
kids are having heart attacks, kids are getting, you know, a heat exhaustion, you know, it has happened. Those company, those products get taken down from the shelf, that company gets sued into the Stone Age. Yeah, and look at the tobacco industry. It yes. is so difficult for anyone to smoke now. Yes. <laughs> like, just the cost of cigarettes. Yes. Uh, packaging looks disgusting, right? To yes, yes. Dissuade <laughs> you from doing that. Uh, children cannot buy, you know, cigarettes. Uh, no. And and it's almost shamed when you're. Oh, totally. See, when having a smoke outside of a pub and they're in the doorway and it's <laughs> yeah. raining, it's not, you know, it's not fun Wait, for yeah, them, right? <laughs> for free. Yeah. You know, what? what's going to be night? And they're out there with their crack pipe. Now, you know, again, I don't want to, you know, again, for me and for the type of society I want to live in, I've been around drugs. I've had people around me that I care about die of drugs. You know, people like, like I, you know, care and miss dearly. Um, I wish they never did them in the first place. I wish they were able to get off them. And for whatever reason, they couldn't. It, it got a hold of them. And, you know, in the hell that it did to their families. Um, my my friend Kevin, who I talk about a lot in my podcast, who died of a drug overdose, his family spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in rehab programs. So he would just, it was just like a vicious circle. Clean for a year, one bad day, and his, you know, vicious cycle. There was something in his mind that he, he, he it was just, he couldn't, he couldn't get, he couldn't get off them. And, and it, it's so it's horrible. There's trauma. Yes. There's reasons people do these drugs, but we shouldn't be making it continue. Yeah. Right. Like so, there are no, like, no. It's not and, always recreational. People are doing it to escape uh, childhood trauma or some something that happened in their adult life. Yes. And but it's treatment. You need treatment, like that yes. show t- on TLC, Intervention. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. The families yes. tried so. And that person couldn't decide for themselves that they needed treatment. Yeah, they couldn't I know. Make that decision. They they really didn't know how they were affecting everyone around them. Yeah, I, I don't know if you ever heard of this. It's it's kind of alternative. It's called uh, ibogaine. It's an African bark, and it has an, an alkaloid that's similar similar. I think kind of like it's kind of hallucinogenic and stuff. So, anyways, this bark uh, they they would they would give it to people who are alcoholics, uh, heroin addicts. And it had a 50% cure rate. It, 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 what it does, it puts this person in the state of delirium. And for the first time, they actually see how their behavior affects other people. So it's almost like they're watching themselves, you know, all the drunken craziness. And they're, oh, my God, kind of like it helps with the um, the side effects. In Belgium, it was used as a elixir for people that are, like, run down and, you know, tired. But in North America, or Canada specifically, I don't think it ever got approval because some of these uh, early clinicians gave such a high amount of it to, uh, in some cases, and killed patients. But my point is, is that what I found the most interesting about it was the why it cured people mainly is because they were able to see how they look for the first time. It, it, so it comes down to also a self-awareness. And Kevin, who who unfortunately was probably a borderline personality and a narcissist, he could not see how his actions affect other people. Always had an excuse, always, you know, justified, be able to play the victim, poor me, poor this, you know what I mean? And so that sometimes is the underlying cause is that they won these, I hate to say it, these people just don't care. They're, they're, they're not saying in every case, but in, in cases in, that I've experienced in my personal, they, they're selfish. 
And they're usually people that, you know, they they always want a way out of further responsibility. You know what I mean? They, they don't want to take accountability for them for their actions. And they always try to find a way to weasel out. Oh, I spent my entire student loan on drugs. Oh, and then his, her mom or someone would bail him out. So never really learn the the consequence of his actions, right? And then and then you know, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, f up again, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Instead of stopping the destructive behavior, but so, and now making it easier. Well, this is what it'll it do. Easier. And then if society says, oh, you can't call him an addict, can't call him this, can't call him that. No accountability. How about this? Then I'll call them a slave to their impulses. Then. You know what I mean? I can't stop doing something that's deadly for me. It'd be like being like chewing tobacco. If I if I chewed gross amounts of chewing tobacco, I probably wouldn't have a lot of friends, and I probably wouldn't uh, be in a relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd be disgusting. You know, spitting it. You know, it's, it's a pretty disgusting habit, right? Uh, and that's why you don't really see a lot of people do it because it's kind of gross, right? It's a gross thing to do. But crack, snorting, injecting. It's not it's not a really pleasant thing to witness. And when you're walking around downtown Vancouver and I've seen people more times than I wish to count injecting in front of me, heating a spoon with something, uh, smoking crack. I remember when I used to work on Water Street and I'd go on my lunch break more times than I can count. I'm walking on the sidewalk and then out of a doorway, a big smoke cloud of meth or crack. I, I worked right off of Abbott Street on on. It didn't take, it took like half a block to get to, you know, to East Hastings or, you know, that the where it gets rough right. or people congregate and do drugs openly. More times than I can count walking through, boo, big smoke cloud, a crack or something. Pretty gross. Not what I want to walk into. It starts with parents. I know you have children. I have children. And I teach my kids, do not do drugs. Yes. I know their school says, do not do drugs. One time I had this couple and they were from a different generation. So their kids mm -hmm. are like in their thirties, mm -hmm. their guidance to their children was know your dealer. Wow. And I was like blown away. Like that's what you tell your kids. Know who your dealer. Yeah. Oh and, and that is crazy too, because you know, dealers that I knew back in the day, you know, they're just looking for a good supply where they can get it at the best price and where they can mark it up for the best price. They really don't care about their end user. They don't care about who's using it and what's going to happen to you once you take no. it. They won't follow up and go to your funeral. No. They're in to make money, no. like we said. So yeah. parents need to be telling their kids, don't do drugs. Yeah. Kids should be afraid of drugs, not, oh, I have a safe place to go. I can get safe supply. Uh, that's not really the message we want to be sending. No, you know, and again, it, it's scary too because it, we we have to ask when we have a large population of people that choose to do drugs. I'm talking like you know really serious drugs. And, and in my opinion, I believe that Vancouver has become almost like a tourist destination for people who want to use drugs. And I, you know, I've seen people mention it. There was this woman once. I was reading some uh, testimony. And she said, oh, she was in Calgary and there was no heroin in Calgary. So she just jumped on a bus and there she is in Vancouver, all the heroin, you know, so there. So, again, when other places have, you know, 
do crack down and it's not acceptable, we're going to get all the people from there too. So again, we have to ask ourselves, what kind of city do we want? Do we want a city where people can thrive and be artists and musicians and actors and stage actors and own restaurants and businesses? Or do we want a place where it's all people working for NGOs, government on the government payroll, handing out crack pipes, handing out clean supply, handing out, you know, blankets and things like that, because the majority of the population that they're going to be serving is going to be addicted and and they don't pay taxes. So where is this money going to come from? People who do pay taxes are going to say, hey, if I pay taxes somewhere else, my tax dollars get paid it gets spent better we don't i don't have to support crackheads and it is uh, driving people out of vancouver people are leaving people are moving they don't want to raise their kids here they don't want to be here they imagine owning a business it would be scary like you know if you own a business in strathcona chinatown uh, downtown east side downtown you know in the mall you know it's frightening it is frightening because i supporter of small businesses here like i salute them still wanting to be in Vancouver because they love it. They have to deal with all of this. They have to deal with this nightmare. It's scary for them, you know? And again, it's not a bad thing. I don't know where he's just kind of, you know, some of the silly comments that I see like, oh, you care more about the businesses. Well, guess what? Business, it, it takes a lot of hard work to open a business, especially in Vancouver. There's a lot of red tape, a lot of, lot of licensing, a lot of steps you have to go through, plus the capital that you have to raise. A lot of people work their butt off for a long, long time to open a restaurant. I knew a chef who saved up for doing like the most brutal gigs and catering gigs and saved up for 10 years to open a restaurant. After three years of struggling and vandalism and people stealing and people running out on the bill. And then again, yeah, that's another one I wanna talk about too. People skipping out on the bill. Oh, he's hungry. People would get would get mad at me posting about a guy that goes and this rips people off and orders a big meal and takes. Oh, he's he's hungry. <laughs> well, feed yourself. If be responsible and accountable. And if we're not supporting businesses and we're we're not supporting people who work hard, well, how can you support the less fortunate anyways? Like you you won't be able to. So no, you get everything for free um it has to come from somewhere and it is coming from people who are working hard and who own local businesses you know that's where the taxpayer dollars is coming from so yes you know a city needs a tax base right and the tax base usually comes from the business community homeowners things of that sort and Mm -hmm. if people can't afford to have a home and if they do spend millions of but god I'm so glad I never bought a big condo down on Yale Town. You know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I was, oh, that would be so awesome. You know, stepping out of that every day is scary. Like, I, I'm posting a lot of stuff on, on about Yale Town now, which would never have. These guys, oh, yeah, this was funny. Uh, this guy with a French-Canadian accent go around bear-spraying people. And all the supporters of him on my comments, oh, he wasn't bear spray, it was Axe body spray. Oh, you know, maybe he's a white angry guy that listens to Jordan Peterson. That's what that was a comment. This guy had clearly had a French Canadian accent who was getting mad, I guess, protecting his turf, right? Splasting bear spray and um, people supporting him or 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 he must be a jordan peterson what does jordan peterson has a, have to do with a french canadian guy spraying random people with bear spray 
So the leaps is my point, the leaps that people go to now. And it's just like, I used to comment, I used to get in there. I just don't even bother now. I just. And I do want to say, Mark, that the students here, the renters here, yes. uh, international tourism and international gone. students as well, are gone. all playing an important role in our economy in yeah. Vancouver. And they're all going to be gone. Yeah. And, and so everyone's important. It doesn't matter whether you rent or own. Everyone's going to restaurants, you know, people yes. are shopping around here. Uh, people go to events, concerts, hockey, soccer, all these amazing things that Vancouver has to offer. And even the surrounding areas like Richmond, Burnaby, uh, Surrey, Langley, so many people are coming and even in the valley. North Van, like all these people are coming here, but they're not going to want to come here if no. you can't, you know, bring your family or, you know, bring your date or your friends without being attacked and you don't know when it's coming no and that's what's different you know again you know if you look for trouble back in the day you'll find it right if i go into a bar and i start elbowing people and you know asking people if they have a problem with me you know someone's going to step up and say yeah i do right but this this new phenomena that you say this people just being blindsided and the other thing is vandalism like i've been seeing all these posts of like windows smash sky train all the ticket you know, the Spencer smash and those things look expensive. The TD bank on the downtown East side, all smashed all the windows smashed to smith. I think it was like $50,000 of the damage. And some places are saying, you know, what? we're just keeping it boarded up. We're not going to bother put windows in because they just get smashed again. This is what drives me nuts. It's like you have someone again, who obviously has mental health problems. The mental health issues, they have a, an addiction issue. And back in the day, they used to call it dual diagnosis, right? I don't know if that's politically correct anymore. Someone with an underlying health issue, maybe schizophrenia, maybe have psychotic breaks, bipolar, and then they're using crack cocaine every day. Someone normal and healthy using crack cocaine, it's going to affect their, their, the way they interact and talk to people and how they problem solve. Someone who's already having a hard time and now they're given this diet of cocaine or meth or whatever is heroin, fentanyl. And then if they act out violently, we're at this third part now. Oh, well, they have mental health problems and, and then they do drugs and it's bad to, you know, it's not their fault. So it's like this three levels of the three steps they get, right? The, you know, mental health issues in Vancouver is enormous. The, in my opinion, I think the system is broken down, needs to be reformed. People who have severe mental illness should not be allowed to wander in their own devices. Then on top of it, if they're doing drugs, acting out is, is also not ideal. And then on the third part, then they're going out attacking, machete attacking, bear spraying, knifing, smashing windows. And it's sort of like, where does, where does they finally get held accountable, right? We're like, what do they have to do before someone says, oh, well, we should not let them do that. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to take. And uh, that's why I'm running for city council because there's still hope because if everybody gives up, then nothing will change. And then, you know, it'll continue to get worse. Um, I believe in community. I believe in being a voice for people. I can be loud, um, but I want to be clear. This is not the Vancouver that I want right now for my family, no. myself, but it's oh. not just about me. This is about our community and getting getting it back the way it used to be. And and that's safe for everyone. Public safety is so important. You should be allowed to wear your your you know, your your headphones or whatever walking down the street and not worry that you're gonna be jumped from behind. 
you know, no, I don't want to live in the city. Like, I don't want to be like the security police state, you know, with cameras no, everywhere, checkpoints, no, no. metal detectors. Yeah, exactly. More enforcement. It's actually about working together just to keep. Yeah, yeah but that's what I'm saying. These are the extremes that they well, this is my argument. People extreme. Oh, we do this. So it's going to be living in the police state. Right. Of course, no one wants to live in the police state. But on the other side of it. I don't want to be like, oh, I'm sitting on the SkyTrain minding my own business and some kids come in and blast me with bear spray or or right. someone who's under the influence of drugs just attacks me and run off they go and then all these people protecting them. No, it's not their fault. Yeah. They, and then, oh, Mark, that's normal for Vancouver. You should know that. <laughs> like, yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, you know, again, and why, like I said, why would tourists want to come here? Why would students want to come here? Why, if, if let's say this, say, say I'm an international student, I get accepted at University of Alberta, or I get accepted at UBC, and then I start looking at headlines, oh, machete attacks, bear sprays, oh, rents are like $4,000 for a 300 square foot room, or you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it just like, we, we got to fix the city so people can back and enjoy living here again. And, and also, thrive you know thrive right. have a business do the things that you want to do without fear of being hurt or i want my kids to be able to walk home from school and stop at the corner store you know walk yeah. the drive and like i'm not worried about it like everybody wants that this is their like the kids are growing up here in vancouver this is their city you know i mean i grew up in small town langley mm -hmm. but for, for my kids this is this is their normal. This is and and there's a lot of good things about that. You know, they're very compassionate mm -hmm. to, towards mm -hmm. um, people who are unhoused. Um, yeah. They're compassionate for people that you know are asking for money on the side of the street or mm -hmm. water. Um, my kids learn so much. They have so much depth and understanding for what's happening, and you know they're little. They yeah. are not okay with what's going on. No. On Hastings Street and all this stuff. They they ask so many questions like. Like what is going on? And and no one desires that lifestyle for their children. No, no. You don't go. I, I one day I'm gonna grow up and I want to live on a tent in the downtown east side. That yeah, nobody addicted wants to crack this. and you know in a state but of psychosis. Is, but, but this is a lifestyle that we're creating that you can do that. Is that this has become this phenomena in a lot of West Coast cities like San Francisco, Portland, Los Angeles. I used to, I watched tons of documentaries on uh, uh, what's going on in the downtown Los Angeles area. It very looks like the downtown east side and very similar. And it was the same thing again. There was a city of enabler and let them have tents everywhere. The violence went out of control. And they're really starting in those cities now that were the liberal cities of, you know, of America, even even San Francisco. They're 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 tired. The business owners can't have a business. I was watching this uh, man who all his life, he just wanted to have a shoe store. A Chinese American wanted to have a shoe store into like runners and kicks and that kind of stuff. Finally, you know, put the money together, opened it swarms of gangs is coming it's just almost like locusts just rip everything off the shelves and run off again and then this happens so many times it take you know and and now they're 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 cracking down they're they're actually saying mandatory uh detoxification because Good. they know they can't have people that just want to be blasted out of their mind and you know their little enabling army that just feeds them because they're making a paycheck let's call it what it is if they were doing it for free they wouldn't be doing it take their paycheck away will they do it will they have those people in their homes that they're so concerned about the homeless people and their ability to drugs have them in your living room then 
invite a bunch of crackheads into your living room then, right? I, I don't think so, but the, but 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 it's your fault, Cinnamon. You're you're the bad person, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't want them to have their drugs, right? And I, it's like and the I'm money talks and bullshit walks. Excuse my language. I'm a bad person for speaking up, but somebody has to. And the team that I'm with right now, which is MPA, we want public safety to be on the forefront. Then it trickles down from there, right? Mm-hmm. You have you have safety, um, you have security. And then things slowly get better. Um, no one has the answer for homelessness no. or, or no more drugs. And anyone who promises you that they can end all those things no. is a there. There will always be these issues in politics and yes. cities, but you can definitely make it stay the same. Yes, you can make it better, or you can make it worse. And I'm here running for city council to make it better. What do you think about, you know, like they say, like, you know, we talked about Riverview, having Riverview open or right. even like, like, how do we like this is this is where my mind's at. Right. Because I'm, you know, just the way I am, I'm very like problem solve, you know, problem solution based. Right. If there's a problem. What is the solution? Right. Ideally, right now, having people wander around, be able to smoke crack wherever they want and act out however they want with no consequence is not ideal. You know, do we need more detox centers? Do we need more, like, what do we need more of? We need more, like, community health nurses. We need more social workers. Because, again, you know, remember, you know, they wanted to fund the police, right? And, and, and the thing is, is that if you defund the police, will they be the ones talking down a guy in psychosis holding a machete? Oh, my God, let's call the cops, right? Oh, right? Well, Every- you know what I mean? Like... It's an easy thing. Oh, they're all bad. They're all terrible. Yeah. Defund them. Every, okay, then are you going to be the one that's going to talk them down? Um, like my parents, my neighbors, my friend circle, like, and, and even law enforcement, everyone agrees that we need something like Riverview again mm-hmm. uh, because it did become worse. The mm-hmm. down side and housing and people caring for themselves. Mm-hmm. All got lost like there were, I, I think the the goal was to have somewhere for the people to go after they were mm-hmm. released but mm-hmm. that never came to fruition so they didn't yeah. have any so they just turned to the streets yeah well, yeah it's not a solution for anything so um housing is a huge part what that looked like what it looks like um it, it could be temporary but ideally you want a permanent place for someone to be so if you've got, you know, thousands unhoused right now, get them mm-hmm. just off the street. It's cold. Yes. It's wet. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's unpredictable. And they're targets for predators. They really are. Exactly. I just heard uh, this story uh, recently. Like, you know, people wonder why uh, homeless people have or uh, unhoused people have pets. Well, mm. they're having it for protection as yeah. well. Having a loving to sleep well in their tent. Yeah, they need they- a guard dog. Yeah. And it's like, so if we, you know, I would never want to take away anyone's pets, but there has to be solutions for people to keep their pets too, like to get them housed and keep their pets. But the whole Riverview thing, we do need some sort of facility mm-hmm. and that provincial mandate mm-hmm. that the people that cannot look after themselves anymore because they're mm-hmm. just so far gone on drugs um, or uh, other issues have people caring for them in those facilities and it's just like a, a senior citizen or like your senior parent There's yeah. kind of a point where they can't live by themselves anymore and it has no. nothing to do with drugs but they are put in a care home yes 
you know, totally. So it, it's not a bad thing. It's like, no, if you can't and it's better than being on the street, you know, like in the freezing cold, like again, Vancouver is not as cold as the rest of Canada, but winters can be miserable with that cold, damp air that gets in your bones and to rain and drizzle. And yeah, I could not imagine what it is like for them. My heart goes out for them. Uh, there's a thing I was thinking about. You know, I, I interviewed Jeremiah, who does the War Party Ranch, for example. He helps women who have been uh, victims of sex trafficking, and he teaches them skills like ranching and horsemanship and that kind of stuff, right? It's almost like I feel that we need similar programs like that, like for the people that are able to get out of it, you know, having something, maybe it's trades, learning how to, like, uh, construction work for, or, you know what I mean? They're, they're, I think it would be nice, you know, I'm just saying, if I was in power, which I'm never going politics, that's for watching <laughs> you run, but let's say, let's say, you know, I had a magic wand and Mark's, uh, you know, now mayor of vancouver or premier or whatever you know i I would like you know some kind of where if they go through treatment they're not just left out where do you do with them there they need life skills maybe their life skills is simple how to socialize because sometimes people never learn social skills and that is the biggest barrier uh for them to get get doors open for them you know like myself i had a sales background i was very sociable i got jobs i probably shouldn't got because i was able to be very social and some people it's not social skills they need an actual trade they need they need something that they can make a living with and if it's not that maybe it's something else right maybe it's severe health issues that they you know need need help with you know there's so many different kinds of people that we're talking about here right you can't paint everyone with the same brush so how you grew up Mm -hmm. your family did you grow up in you know foster care Mm -hmm. um abuse um, trauma, so many things. I mean, there's even kids uh, that have got addicted because they had a sports injury. Yes, yes. So we're not blaming. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of hockey, ex-hockey players yeah. with addiction issues. You know, the grind of professional hockey injuries, working through injuries, or next thing you know, they're taking Percocets to make it through a game, and then it becomes a regular thing, right? Yeah. So there's many so roads to addiction. Yeah, like I, I want to acknowledge that because it's not just one kind of person and I'm not oh. and no one else is like saying, well, like they're bad and, and it's not about that. It's about the enabling part. So we Exactly. Have to- <laughs> I agree with that 100 percent. Like, again, everybody has a path, right? We, we make right. choices. My life, your life, Cinnamon, is a, a, a series of consequences of all the choices you've made, good or bad. And that's where you are in life. Same with all the good things I did, all the bad things I did. This is where I'm at, right? My path led me here as your path is to some people's path derailed you know, drugs, alcohol, a bad relationship, a bad group of friends, you know, an injury, you know, and, 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 and it gets be, worse and worse. And we shouldn't be making it. So that's their path for the rest of their life. No, no, not at all. Get back on the path, but whatever that path looks like mm-hmm. is also different for everyone. So mm-hmm. your path does not have to look like my path. I do not mm-hmm. want a bunch of cinnamons running around. Okay. No. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> but I do want people to be happy. I do want them to have safety and security and, yes. and, and and live a good life. But whatever that looks like is different for each person. 
You know, in the American Constitution, when they say it's in your inherent rights, the pursuit of happiness, right? And and the right. So again, you know, the ha, there's no happiness in drug addiction, and maybe it's your happiness when you're high as a kite, but certainly if it's your spouse, your kids. I have never met anyone says, "Oh yeah, my parents did cocaine," or they were, it was awesome. It was a you right. know it was it, yeah. And it, it is like they used to call it. I don't know. They used to call it back in the day. Called it devil's dandruff because everything it touched, it just just right. poisoned and, and you know it's history. Are not talking about this, it's crazy that people are not talking about how bad drugs are. Yes, yes. they're only talking about the right to access them. Well, the right to access them is also the ability to make a lot of money off it too, right? So we can't we can't deny that, right? right. If Mark becomes the dispenser of clean supply and all of Mark's drugs are clean, right? You know, I, that, that's a that's a that's a pretty uh, you know that's a great great monopoly, and and I'm open for business if you get my draft, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a branding to me, right? Obviously. You know, let's say, let's say again, you know, someone making bathtub gin and it's causing people to go blind and, and the guy was the government going to come out and say, oh, we're going to make free gin and we're going to have clean gin. No, you just don't have poisonous substance out there. And between you and me, Cinnamon, I'm really disappointed. And this has nothing to do with you. And this is goes back to different government administrations. Why didn't they crack down just as hard on fentanyl that killed more people? Than the pandemic had. We had all these restrictions. You got to wear a mask and a card and, right. you know, crazy Karens losing their mind because someone's mask slipped off or whatever, right? While people doing these poisonous drugs and people making an insane amount of money from it, insane amount of money off fentanyl, you know, it, easy. But I heard back in the day you could order it online before it was kind of under the radar, you know? I just think, Mark, like you, you know, it, it, it begs the question why yeah why is this why did let it get a foothold yeah why are we doing this and then the other thing too it's just, it's like this is the thing that truly i can't get my mind around okay the opiates you know that's a whole different topic cocaine and meth i put in the same category they're just they're this they're, what it is they're a product for organized crime to make an insane amount of money at the end of the day if you boil it down you can boil it down to that one sentence right but then you get into fentanyl you know, always the media, oh, one little grain of rice, you know, right. can kill someone. But now we're going to allow people to have 2.5 grams of fentanyl. Is, isn't that enough to kill a lot mm -hmm. of people? Like, is uh, that, that's what I, that's what I was told, right? It's so we're letting, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand it. And and I don't, maybe, maybe I have to do more research. Maybe I can find someone who who's believes in this policy of why it's a good policy to hear them out because I, I, I hit a wall, right? I don't understand it. I, I don't understand it either for my kids to grow up and this is their normal. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, our city has this uh, safe injection site and this safe supply site. Like, that's where you get it. Like, it, it blows my mind. I, it makes no sense to me. I don't support it because you need, I mean, there's four pillars. Maybe mm -hmm. you need two because they're there now, right? Mm -hmm. They're there now. But we need the other two and we need harm reduction and we need prevention. Basically, parents should not be saying, oh, um, know your dealer. They should be saying yes. not do drugs. And, and call me crazy. You know, uh, 
people who work hard, uh, and and I'm sure everyone listening can understand this. When you have, you know, you work your, you know, what off, and then you get your paycheck, and you always see the deduction on it. I know myself, it's never, oh my god, awesome, half my check has been <laughs> taken away. Oh yay, right? Um, that being said, and then you're seeing people saying, oh yeah, it's going to go to these people who want to do crack. I have no problem supporting single mothers that need help. I have no problems helping, you know, young guys that need, a, you know, help with getting job trades and upgrade their skills, even education, making education easier for people to have access so they can actually get qualified skills. You know, we need engineers, doctors, nurses. We, we need a lot of those in our society, making it easier for people to go to that. So if our tax dollars went to that, oh, I have no problem tax dollar going to cocaine, fentanyl, and meth so one person can have their free uh, supply of clean supply. Well, we know no one gives away free drugs. If you know, if anyone says they're giving away free drugs, only people that say that or do that are groomers. The groomers do that. They give out free drugs to get a girl hooked, and next thing she knows, she is working in the sex industry. Without the drugs, they're not going to be able to do it. I talked to my friend David, who has a colorful character, and he was breaking down when he ran this scuzzy building in the downtown east side and all the money they made. And I, he says, oh, yeah, these girls were workers for them. They would go out and steal and break in entries and break in people's homes and come back with diamond rings worth thousands of dollars and trade it for a few hundred dollars worth of product. Drug dealers are laughing. And he said, and I said to him, would these girls be doing, you know, sex work, stealing, robbery if they weren't addicted to drugs? Oh, hell no. Hell right. no. They become slaves. He said he made thousands and thousands of dollars from the, you know, just from their stealing activity. So, again, this is the downtown east side. This is a reality, right? We mm -hmm. can brush over and pretend it doesn't exist. Anyone that lives there who's been around there understands what I'm saying is the truth. Yeah, right? and so, there's a lot of good people in the downtown east side community who live there. Yes. Legitimately, yes. they live there. Yes. And they don't want to see this. They're not happy no. with, they tell people to get lost. Yes. Like those people coming around, those aunties on the downtown east side are like, get the hell out of here. We don't yes. want you. Actually, you know? I talked to a lady, you know, I won't, I'll keep her private, but she mm -hmm. runs People Live and stuff like that. I like guess it's an SRO. <laughs> she says that the advocates are actually causing more problems than not. Right. She says the cops aren't perfect, you know, but there's a lot of good cops. We want a good relationship with them. We want to be able to call them when we need their help. Mm-hmm. And, and, so and it's not people. it's not helping everyone screaming, yelling, causing divisions. And, yeah. you know, I'm saying no one's and, perfect. And there's hardworking people that live in the downtown east side. Yes. You know? um, it's their community, so too. I, I, exactly. It's their community and they want it cleaned up, too. Yeah. So um, this is their home. They grew up there. Their, their parents grew up there. Their grandparents are from there. And this isn't how it was like 40, 50 years ago. No. It, this was created. This yes. was created, I think, to isolate people, make them dependent, and take their freedom away. Oh, totally. It's always good talking to you, Mark, about these oh, hard know. Um, 
Yeah, no, it just like your mind goes down a rabbit hole. And again, it just the city to be different. I want the city to be for people thrive and they come here and they live their dream and open a restaurant or, you know, they're coming here to be an actor. We used to have, you know, used to be Hollywood North, all the film productions. And, you know, that that's what Vancouver was known for, you know, movies and Netflix specials and, you know, and, and now look at what our reputation is. You know, we're not Hollywood on the North now. We're scary. We're Hollywood, There's, you know, we're um, scary wood here the dark ugly side of vancouver but there's also hope and i know yes. you think wow cinnamon oh my gosh i can't think like you but i still have it and there's there's a community it's for me it's community mm -hmm. i love this city that's why i'm running for city council and what i need to ask people is to get out and vote I'm number 134 on the ballot. I'm like in the middle. I There's know. I saw. Oh my God. 59 people running for city council, but oh. make the choices. Exercise yes. your right to vote because if you leave it in there and you don't choose who you want, then it can just get worse. Yes. Escalate. They'll continue to get worse. But if you have people like myself, Cinnamon Bayani, in there, I can make things better. I can change, you know, and one step at a time. I can't solve it in a week. But I work with really good people. I'm in that community talking to people, what people need, business owners, residents. You know, I, I want to be there for the people. Yeah, I don't know what worse looks like. I really don't because it's pretty scary, right? And and I and I want the ship to turn around. And I think you would be a good steward for our city because it, it is scary. Like you just you you know you you have a very common sense approach and you have a very practical background and and you don't have a, a self interest where I feel with other people. It's sort of they just want to get in there and get access to the you know all the the cash and everything else they get to dispense and stuff. And and that's where you see the ugly stuff, in my opinion. About about, right and then mm -hmm. like i said i I'll, I'll say it straight up you take uh, you take the city funded paycheck away from half these advocates that are just so vocal about wanting all this terrible stuff then what right and it's quite funny too because some some of these people are making a, a paycheck off the city while hating on the cops that make a paycheck from the city so they get paid from the same source which i find amusing <laughs> you know it's like it's like back in the day when i was a kid where i had all these punk rocker friends and anarchy and this and that and they're mohawks and skateboards but but half them were on welfare hated the government <laughs> right. you know what i mean so it's that same mentality that I, I i see right so i probably won't be popular for saying that but whatever anyways i'll let you go on that note we'll, okay well to be continued yes till yeah. next time all right bye. take care it's a pleasure talking it's awesome as always bye mark bye take care